Welcome to episode eight of Honestly Unbalanced. This week we chat to a real life superhero, stuntman and yoga teacher, Doug Robson. So Doug was born in Botswana, now based in London, and he got into stunt work about seven years ago, uh, particularly training in martial arts, gymnastics and platform diving, and has been involved in some ridiculous productions like The Avengers, Mission Impossible, Star Wars, Game of Thrones. How cool is that? Uh, Yoga-wise, he started yoga uh, to kind of help with a back injury, uh, then developed a long-term practice, then became a teacher, uh, and since then he's been combining yoga and martial arts and creating something quite unique. Yeah, we had an awesome chat with Doug. Hope you enjoy it. So chances are a lot of you are practicing from home at the moment and maybe you could do the new yoga mat. Uh, I'm actually a Lifeform ambassador. I've used Lifeform for years, long before I was an ambassador. But I think they're the best yoga mats on the market. And using code AHUSTLER19, or caps, you can get 10% off their stuff. I get a little kickback too, which is much needed in these times. Honestly unbalanced. Hi, Doug. Hi. Hey Holly, how's it going? Yeah, good. How are you? How's it going inside? Uh, do you know what? You know, it's shameful to say this, but this is not too dissimilar to what my life was like before. Oh, really? Like, yeah. So I work from home a lot anyway when I'm not working on films. Mm. So I have this weird juxtaposition of when I work on films, I'm out the house 16, 17 hours a day. Then when I'm at home during the week, if I'm not working on stunts, I'll be editing videos, making videos, stuff like that anyway. So this is quite similar to me. I just feel now that I'm not missing out because everyone else is at home anyway. Uh, so I actually, I actually feel less guilty now about working. That, well, that's, so. the, that's what's been so amazing about this, I think. People have been able to stay in without the guilt attached to it, Yeah, which has been lovely. So what's yeah. the split between you doing your stunts and the online stuff then? Is it kind of well, even or more of it's one? Kind of, it's getting to an even state now. You know, I maybe prematurely last year try to come out of stunts completely. I wanted to focus on teaching to get better at it. So I wanted to do it full time. Mm. I thought that was the only way to really get my teeth into it, you know. That, that's what I've tended to do in the past. I think to get to a certain level from from zero to at least a, a level that you can keep going over and over again, getting better, I think you have to put the work in. So mm. with most things I've done, I've always had like a period of at least, you know, a month, two months where I do something a lot. Mm-hmm. And then I go, okay, cool. Now I can tap into that every now and then and get better as I go. But that that incubation period for me is important. So last year when I was teaching, I, I taught full-time, didn't do any stunts, just kind of turned down the work. Um, and that was fine. But then after a while, I was like, I need to go back to stunts because I can't afford to stay like this. Mm. I, didn't, I didn't actually understand how hard it was going to be to make a living uh, teaching public classes. Mm. I, I, and I'm glad I did it for that reason. I, I did it and I was like, whoa, I'm not going to get all the classes that I thought I was going to get. <laughs> I have to find other ways to do this. So yeah. I started supplementing it with, um, I realized workshops were a much better way for me and events. So I, I gravitated towards those things and eventually got rid of the public classes altogether mm-hmm. and started working on things like online courses, which is, you know. But well, that's sensible. Well. And I think you can, you can find your niche, can't you? 
There's, there's no yeah. point being a replica of the, all the other teachers out there just teaching mm. public classes. There's enough of them. And I guess for you and for anyone else, if you have another skill that you're extremely good at, I always think, why let it go? Mm. Like, it's nice to keep... If you can make money out of it in some way, why let that go? Mm. Is it, why did you want to let the stunt stuff go? Uh, a, a couple of things. I just... For me, being on set 16, 17 hours a day like mm. that's the most most days I, I'll tell you at a minimum it's 12 you know Ooh. but I just yeah that's a long day that's you know so and you're long. getting up pretty early to get there for that day you know so you're getting up pretty early all of this is fine I don't mind putting in work it's just that uh, you're there very much as an insurance policy so before movie starts you're doing something called previs previs is pre-visualization of the movie so you have the script you go through the script all the scenes and they say okay here are the action scenes and the action scene may be as simple as something as the two get into a, a big fight then the stunt department put together that big fight and they use their imagination their creativity to to build that fight and that's a very interesting time it's a very exciting time because we film it and they if you film it well enough they'll use it shot for shot in the movie so you'll see something like um the kingsman church fight from number one. Oh, that's, you a, can yeah, that's see, an amazing scene. You can see the previs. Were you involved in that side one? By side. I was not, all right? <sighs> and I'm so upset about that. But if you watch that carefully now, you'll watch there's only, I would say about 14 stuntmen and they recycle them with different wigs and you will have a field day. If you know these guys, you'll have a field day watching them come back like with an eye patch and then long hair and then short hair <sighs> and then as a girl. And it's so well done because they use something called um, swipe cuts. So every time they go behind a pillar, that's a cut. So oh. everyone can get changed and come back as a different person. That's so interesting. But the previs is a very exciting time because you, you're very creative. However, when you start filming, you're there as an insurance policy mm. pretty much. So in a fight scene that takes, I don't know, in the movie, let's say three minutes, that's probably about two weeks of filming. Wow. Two weeks of filming, wow. Because you have to do the dialogue and you have to establish that we're standing in the background. Then they turn the cameras around. And nowadays the coverage, when they have the money, they cover it. It depends. The better the director, in my opinion, the less takes you do. Yeah. Someone like Ridley Scott, you'll go home sometimes at, at 3 or 4 p.m. Because he's like, got that, let's move on. Mm. He's, he has that confidence. New directors are like, let's also do the reverse on this, even though I can only use one of those shots. Mm. I will get every shot. So far, I'm feeling it's all very cool and awesome. So why, so why did, why did you want to leave it? What was the push factor? Yeah, I haven't really got into it. It's two, two things. One, the cost uh, in terms of person is high. Mm -hmm. So when I first started, there was a few accidents that had happened outside my social circle, quite far out. Okay. As the years have gone by, those accidents have encroached, and now where I've had two close friends really badly hurt from, from stunts yeah yeah wow. so we're talking like being in a coma oh my the guy God. will never be the same again oh because he, he hurt his head so bad another girl losing her arm her oh face God. getting degloved oh so, my God. yeah so uh, this is the thing with stunts it sounds really cool and it is very cool and for the most part it's very safe mm -hmm. the problem is when there is an accident the risk of injury is so high and like i've grown to really love my body and how well it works and how important longevity is and, mm. and this body-mind connection. And the more I've gone to yoga, the more I've gone, I'm pretty much whoring my body out. Mm. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm gambling. I'm going, you pay me this much, I'll gamble that I won't get hurt today. 
Yeah. You know, so I love the creative aspect. I love that. I don't like the amount of hours we put in. I love the guys that we do it with for sure. Mm. I love performing. I love being in front of camera and creating something. It's just that the time put in, I think, could be better used. I think there's more to me than that. I think yeah. I could create more. Yeah. That's the long and short of it is that. So the jobs you do now, are they generally less risky? The ones that you still uh, continue to do? The thing is, this is the hard part, Adam. You don't have control over that. Right. Oh, really? So you just get signed up for a film and that's it. You are the stunt guy for that or one of the st- So, oh. yeah. So they'll call you in and you, and you don't know what you're going to be doing. They'll right. just say, we want you to work on this job. The understanding is that you are happy to do whatever they ask uh, once you arrive there. Okay. So you don't get told. Sometimes, like you get, I got called up once before for a car knockdown on a movie where they'll say, okay, we want you to hit by a car on this day. Can you do it? And then you can say something like, I'm actually not physically feeling mm-hmm. great at the moment, so that might not be the best thing for me. Mm-hmm. But more often than not, you'll be on. Something like Transformers was a great example. Everyone is wearing their harness all the time. Everyone has their fire gear ready all the time. Maybe you're wearing their base layers ready to go so that when Michael Bay, who is a maniac, says <laughs> something like, we want six guys on fire there and two guys on a wire. Let's go. You've got 10 minutes that, that you're ready to go. And it'll be like, uh, okay, Doug, uh, Ryan, Dave Grant, you guys get ready. Let's go. And that's surely where the accidents happen. Oh when God. you're not planning and it's all just in the moment. Can I ask, yeah. do you get yes. scared? I mean, I don't know if that's a silly scared? question or yeah. not. All the time. Yeah. Like, I'll tell you where you notice it. This is the bizarre thing is almost every time when they do three, two, one action, the same process goes on my head. It goes three. I'm going like, this is wild. <laughs> Two is like, I can't believe I'm doing this. One, I'm like, what am I thinking? Action, like, ah! Go! Oh my God. Yeah, and then you gotta go into autopilot. If it's a fight thing, I really like it because it's like, there's a skill based. If you're Mm. on a wire and there's some sort of performance. This is gravity, gravity based. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. when it's it's like someone lights you up, you're like, oh my, when you see the flames in front of your face, you're like, this is mental. What What am I doing? My heart is beating now. Honestly, my heart's going faster (laughs) listening to you. What were your skills? Am I I right to say that when you become a stunt person, you need three particular skills? You you choose three specialities, six specialities. And what did you choose? What were your six? So I did gymnastics, trampolining, platform diving, uh, scuba diving, believe it or not, swimming, and then you have to do a martial art, Mm. which was kickboxing. Okay. So those are the six that, that I did. Mm. Now, it was, it was a bit trickier for me because I grew up in Botswana in a tiny town where these sports don't exist. Mm. So I was 28, 28 when I started all of those. And so you, how did, sorry. Were you living in Botswana then? No, I was here then. I'd been an investment banker and a primary school teacher. While I was <laughs> of here. course. Oh. And, and I read I somewhere and, did, and Bear Grylls is... Not nanny, nanny, not nanny. Oh, nanny? Yeah. yeah, not his nanny, but yeah, <laughs> nanny for his group. You're that old. Hang yeah, on. People always say that. Back, backtrack, did you just say he was nanny for Bear Grylls' kids? Yeah. For real? Yes, yeah. Oh, I didn't know this. Yeah, so I used to live with uh, Bear at different times, like when he would go, he's got an island off Wales. Right. We would go stay there, so... Oh. Um, but in a hilarious twist of events, and not understanding the sarcasm in my voice, one of the first dinners we had together, he he had said, um, Shara said that we have to get a male nanny because she won't, that's his wife, he won't have a 
female nanny because of like the awkwardness of having another female in the house. Right. However, uh, he has to be gay so that there's no thing. So he was like, you're gay, right? And I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. Obviously, yeah. Okay. Cut to two years later. And we're at lunch in London and I bring my then girlfriend and he goes, I have to ask you, Doug, what, what happened? Because you used to be gay, right? And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> two years. Two years. Oh, he actually believed like, you. Yeah. And we never addressed it again. So he was just like, there he is. Oh, that's so. All those skills you just mentioned are ca- not calm than I imagine, but they're very embodied. They're you exploring your your body and like, even scuba diving. Mm. It's not hectic. Mm. There's lots of like, gymnastics, a trampoline, mm. lots of control in that. Is that what led mm. you to yoga? That the love of being aware of of your body in every sense. Yeah, you know what that that was such a learning curve in terms of. Gy- I mean, I have such respect for gymnasts mm. because these guys are just like they're real athletes. You know, the flexibility and the strength. I came into gymnastics about a stone and a half heavier than I am now. I was, I was like 96 kgs. I, like I did a lot of weights. And I was like, this will be easy. I jumped on the rings and I was like, I can't get up. I mm. can't get myself up. And I was like, these guys that are much smaller just have this power to weight ratio. Mm. So. Yeah, it started me doing all these different things and there's definitely a learning curve where I couldn't do anything for the longest time and then could do some things. And I was like, oh, the body's pretty incredible. You you put a bit of time in and it learns. And those those skills become transferable because you get confidence from doing one thing. At the time, I was doing a bit of yoga too, mainly as just a stretch. Mm-hmm. I actually used to get really pissed off when she used to say like, okay, guys, now I want you to go into your heads and just think about who you are as a person. I was like, shut up. Like, just tell me where to stretch and how long to do it. Because mm. I was very pragmatic. I was like, tell me what's the best way mm. to open my hamstrings. Mm-hmm. Don't tell me about why this is important in my love life. Like those <laughs> were not connected in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hurt my back then doing gymnastics. Uh, my spine really took a pounding and I couldn't do much. And I started going back to yoga and I just realized the power of yoga was one, it stopped me worrying about what am I going to do now if I get badly hurt mm-hmm. because I can't use my body. And I was just enjoying this time where I also could focus on the thing is like when you get an injury, you can really focus on the fact that you can't do like if you hurt your wrist, you're like, I can't do handstands. Mm-hmm. I can't, I can't do down dog. And you don't realize there's a whole sequence of yoga you could do without putting your hands down. Mm-hmm. You 80%, eight more, 90% of your body is still working fine. Mm-hmm. And somehow you're focused on this one part and thinking that you've lost everything. Mm. And I would go to yoga and every week I could move a little bit more, but I was so grateful for the parts that I could move. And then I started enjoying the fact that I didn't have my phone with me for an hour. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, okay, this is a sanctuary that mm. I can go into and explore my body. So that's how I got into that. And then it just became a staple part of my training. Were you at any point competitive in your yoga? I, at yoga? Yeah forever uh, like like furious uh when you do like the hot sequence when you have the arms overhead squeeze yeah. your shoulder and i was like why are none of these girls having to take a break like <laughs> i was like you know what it is because i got much bigger shoulders so that's, that's what why, it is uh, you know but i'll hold on for dear life and if i bring a friend i'm definitely not letting out of this pose before he does you're winning I, i've been doing it longer so <laughs> i can be better adam can relate yeah. to this can't you yeah, back in the day <laughs> 
you go on. No, 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 you come down. I was just going to say, I actually tore my hamstring once at Bikram with that mindset. Mm. And that's, again, what made me realize the, the power and the danger, no, I would always say of yoga, of yourself. To, of ego. Of, of go, of trying, yeah, to, of of trying to objectify success and win at everything. Yeah, and, and the whole point being, I was like, what is winning? Like, what am I doing here? Like, I did this with everything, though. You know, I'd go to kickboxing and I'd want to be the best then. I, I, I'd never taken the time to go, Why? what What are you trying to gain here? Mm. And for some reason, kickboxing was not too bad because it is competitive. But then I'd go to something like a CrossFit class and think, hang on. I stand to get injured really badly here because I'm doing this terribly and I'm doing this weight that's too heavy for me just so I can walk out of here and go, I think I won today, which will last Mm. all of a second Mm -hmm. and means actually nothing. The risk to reward is tiny here. And that was one of the other things I loved about yoga is when I realized it's a non-competitive sport, Mm. I was like, what a dream. I can come somewhere and it can just be exploration. It can just be me feeling my body, seeing what's happening as opposed to going, Right, you better be better than you were last week, you know. And there is no, there is no end goal, and that's the yeah, beauty of it. There is no, there, there is no winning. There is nothing to be achieved per se. Of course, mm. when you're newer to it, there is probably something to be achieved to some degree, but beyond that, it's just as you say, this exploration, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I just and I feel like it's just, it's such a lovely place to go in and not have. I, I just found every sport I was doing, I was approaching the same way. It was like, how hard can I go for how long? And I was thinking, this is a recipe for disaster, you know? So what, I'm doing this in my yoga practice too. At what point do you want to make it a career? Uh, probably quite long after I did, uh, probably quite recently, probably in the last two years. And um, what, what, was the, what was the impetus for that? Uh, I, I explained before, I used to be a primary school teacher. So I, I had this affinity for teaching it's just that I didn't want to teach that. I didn't, yes. I, didn't, I didn't enjoy that and I didn't enjoy that context. But I was always passionate about showing people things. So if I could do something and someone wanted to learn, like I would I'd want them to get it. Like uh, not to get angry that they wouldn't get it. I, I, it would come from a place that I knew the joy of getting this thing mm-hmm. or knowing this thing. I want, I want you to know it too. I want you to enjoy it. So that was, it's always very natural. My mom's a teacher and I think, I think I picked that up from her. So then after a breakup and it was a, it was a series of, of, uh, bad events for me. It was February. We were filming a movie called Holmes and Watson with the John C. Briley and, uh, Will Ferrell. Yeah. Who, which is a, a bombed really bad movie, oh. but I, I'll always remember it for the simple fact that I talked to Will Ferrell for the longest time saying how much I loved old school and how much it was uh, it was that thing that was so quoted amongst our friends. And uh, after 20 minutes of kind of gushing at him, he said the strangest thing, which was, I'm just a stunt double. And he looked so much like Will Ferrell. Oh! Oh! Yeah. He let me carry on for 20 minutes? He, yeah. It wasn't he him. He did not stop me once and he found it hilarious. Oh I my was God, like, that's so <laughs> funny. Done me. What a brilliant done man. Me. Um, do you need but, you wear glasses? Do you not have them on? No, mate. I I swear to God. The thing is, you have to remember, I'm not looking at Will Ferrell. I'm looking at Will Ferrell dressed as Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. Okay, and I'm yeah. looking at the stunt double dressed as Sherlock Holmes. Both are wearing the same wig. Yeah, yeah. Both are wearing the same sideburns. <laughs> so and the funny. face is close enough. Um, so, so hang on, anyway, what, but, what was the point when he, did he say, but yeah. dude, by the way, 
on the stunt yeah, double. Yeah, he, 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 he smiled and nodded his yeah, head. Yeah. And I could see him, I could see him, I was like, something's up. And he looked at me, he's like, I'm just a stunt double. And I, he was just really happy. About I love it. So it's just when he got and bored, he when like, he got bored of your <laughs> monologue. <laughs> Pretending oh, to be a celebrity. Man. But anyway, during, during that movie, uh, I, I have psoriasis and mm. sometimes my skin like reacts really badly. Normally when I'm stressed, when I'm not sleeping well, um, and it, it's kind of the knock-on effect that you get more stressed because your skin flares up. And when it's on your face, it's, it's so personal, mm. you know. So I had the mixture of this and the breakup uh, together and working in February outside on this movie. I was like, oh, man, this mm. is just grim. My hands are cold. And I just went online straight away. I was like, yoga training. Something always interested in. I just want to know more about it. Click on that. Let's go. Where are there some going on? And probably this is not the best way to do it, but it was like, what's happening in the next month? Okay, what country do I want to be in? Okay, uh, here's two. All right, Costa Rica it is. And mm-hmm. I booked that. Got all the information. I love learning stuff. So I got the books, learned to while I was finishing up Holmes and Watson. And the minute that ended, I was out. Flew to Costa Rica. Trained, learned there, enjoyed that process. And then while I was there, while teaching, I was like, I could do this. I could enjoy doing this. I could see... I could see for the first time a different trajectory for my life. And I like that. So when I came back, I started kind of getting into that a bit more. I quite like the angle you came at, in that you came to it enjoying, before you even considered being a teacher, you or a yoga teacher, you acknowledged that you actually enjoyed the practice of teaching something. Mm. And I think that's actually really key, that you didn't go into it because you decided you wanted the lifestyle of a yoga teacher. You knew you liked teaching, you also knew mm. you liked yoga and learning. And you kind of, from what I'm hearing is you went into it without any expectation, except for the fact you might enjoy learning more and being able to actually share your knowledge with people eventually. It wasn't yeah. a lifestyle thing that was pulling you in. No. Well, I mean, probably to some degree, but for sure it was the fact that um, one of my things with, with stunts is that I missed the, the mental aspect of, of learning or reading a subject. So I did seven years at university and i stayed for seven years because i i enjoyed i like consuming knowledge seven what did you do yeah, for seven did years did you keep failing a year <laughs> yeah it's my first year over and over again <laughs> <laughs> i uh i did psychology mm. so i did my i don't know if it's the same here we have a bridging period between your your last diploma like your um degree and then your master's yeah you've got another yeah, extra year you have to do that adds on to mm. okay. get your doctorate so I did an extra year of that and an extra year of teaching alongside of that. So I did my, like the start of my master's for psychology and then uh, my PGC, which is the teaching diploma. Yeah. Um, so that's why I was there for so long. But uh-huh. I, I missed that learning and reading and yeah. and knowing something more. So that kind of really filled that gap. And I was like, oh my God, look at all this stuff. You know, I want to know what's out there. What's frustrating about yoga now is that it's better. It's getting better now. We're getting more data, but if you're very pragmatically minded, it can be a bit frustrating because you'll say to someone, oh, "You know, is there evidence for this?" And they'll be like, "Not really. This is just kind of what we teach," mm-hmm. and that can be a little bit frustrating at first. You're like, "Well, can I, in good faith, say this back to someone?" Because that's tricky, right? As a teacher, you start to say what your teacher said without questioning. Sometimes you start to parrot. Yeah, without knowing, you'll be like, "Oh, this is what we say in this position," instead of going. And Why? Did, did you go down that path for a while? Oh, of course. I think that's I think that's the entry level, right? The entry level is ha- know something, mm. 
it's it's what we do with life. We have information. We get it brings us to a certain point. Then we deconstruct it completely again to build it back up. Maybe knowing some some of the same things again, but making slight changes. We're mm. forever. I think we should be forever adapting with new knowledge that comes in. And it's and always more. it's always changing, isn't it? Information is all constantly changing, and we just have to evolve with it. And I think with yoga, mm. a lot of the time, it's you have to really embody what you learn before you can kind of teach it, rather than parroting it, which is how it often starts. Mm. But then you have to really feel into it for yourself, and then maybe the proof is that it's working in your body, and then mm. in that way mm. you can teach your truth to other people and hope that it resonates. And I think that's that's so similar to so many skills, mm. right? The first thing is, if you're talking about in terms of expression and art. The first level is imitation, mm. always. Mm-hmm. You find someone you look up to, you imitate them. Mm. As you get better, you then start to experiment with your own flavor to that, mm. and that keeps going. And then you have the confidence. It's once you have this tool bag of knowledge that you can then pick from and choose from mm-hmm. and decide what's useful and what's what's not. But at first, I think just having the, the knowledge is, is good, the first even step. if it's not right. Yeah. And I think what's actually quite common at the start in the wellness industry in general is people have some knowledge but give it too much weight like you know mm. they, they've done a yoga teacher training which is the equivalent hours wise to like a term at college uh, mm. or they decide to give shoot like nutrition advice and actually all they've done is a short nutrition course uh, mm. and I, I think people give a little bit too much weight to their first batch of knowledge mm. they've received mm. and I find in every part of the wellness industry, the people that I look up to more, or the people that I think are really experienced in what they do, they're the people that actually are asking more more questions constantly. Mm. The people that are more humble with the knowledge they have, the people that are actually realizing how little they know. And mm. I think a lot of the teachers that I look up to, that's a big part of their teaching, is the acknowledgement of, I don't actually know that much. What I do know about, I know a lot about, but there are lots of things that I don't know and don't know fully and are very open mm. to other input of information mm. from other sources. Mm. It comes with experience, yeah. doesn't it? I think so. And, and experiencing different teachers and, mm. and different ways people say things. Yes. And the thing is, um, on that point there, Adam, it's just you, you get to this tricky part where you start to lose your confidence in what you're saying. If mm. you, you question it too much. I, mm. I One of the biggest things for me is when a teacher I respected came to my class, I suddenly started questioning everything I said. I was yeah. like, is this right? Yeah. You know, and I was like, shit, man, I don't, I've never looked this up. I've never actually checked, you know? And, <laughs> and the thing is, as a teacher, knowledge is good. Confidence is also very good. And I think a balance of the two is, I become a very good teacher yeah. because certainly, here's the thing, in my opinion, which is unfortunate, but true, as far as I can see it, someone can know a lot say it unconfidently and no one will listen and someone can know little and say it confidently and everyone will listen oh, the danger yeah. the danger of charisma it's, it's how you say it yeah. there's actually stats on that it's a, it's not about the words it's how you say it like the actual words mm. themselves um, if people listen to them is actually a tiny percent but if you say it with confidence then the percentage goes right up of people listening and it, and yeah, about, like, I think it, it takes in this industry you know, particularly yoga is uh, all the good teachers have that uh, that perfect balance in between and i know mm. people that have thousands and thousands of hours of experience and of training but they just can't communicate ideas in an accessible way mm. that's not to say they're not knowledgeable but they just don't have the tools to, to deliver that to communicate that yeah. knowledge and vice versa i know lots of people that are inexperienced but 
if you saw them for one class, they would be holding the space incredibly. Mm. Mm. They've got an acting background or a music background and they can perform for an hour. They're performance, yeah. Yeah, they're doing a performance for an hour. And I, I think that's sometimes ignored in this industry to a degree, the fact that some of it's just natural ability. Mm. Like not everyone will be an amazing carpenter, let's say. If, or mm. if many people have gone to the same carpentry school, they're not all gonna have the equal success and make equal amounts of money. Some people just have more natural ability. And it, I think it goes mm. with yoga teaching, it goes with, with anything. Do you, think, do you think you can develop charisma though? Because obviously you can develop your skills um, and your knowledge, but can is that something that you can Jeez. work on or is that, are you just stuck with good, being good, boring good shit? Question. You can probably, I think you can probably work on your ability to educate with some charisma, but a lot of it might just be your mannerisms, how you yeah. gesticulate, the faces mm. you make. Sometimes it's just how you look. Mm. It's not that you need to look yeah. good to have charisma, but just the yeah. shapes that your face makes when you speak yeah. or the mm. smile or your eyes. I wonder also, there's something about authenticity, right? Oh yeah, we've talked about this you a know, lot in our podcast actually. Mm. So when you say about charisma, it may not be learning charisma as a skill, mm. but getting comfortable with yourself. Oh yeah, that's a much think, nicer way of putting it. I think people, people look to you as your first review. Mm. So if you can't stand yourself, people are going to look at you and go like, oh God, well, yeah. forget that. Yeah. You know, and that's the thing about confidence. It, when it exudes from inside, yeah. people tend to gravitate towards it because they go, okay, well, he can stand himself. Yeah. So 100%. I can take it. it. That's the basis <laughs> level. You know, that's I so can, true. How is your confidence in teaching now? It's much, it's, it's better now uh, than it was for sure. I think it's something that you said and something that Patrick Beach has echoed in that, I think experience does a lot for confidence, oh, I yeah. think. And um, Pat Tavilli, who I was speaking to just this week, said something interesting. He said, the best way to do something, there's three ways to do something. One way is the best way. And if you can do it the best way and everything goes right, that's that's the ideal scenario. The second is you do it badly. Mm. And that's not ideal, but there's a worse version. And that's a third way where you do nothing. Mm. And I think that happens too often. And you know what you were saying about teachers who are very knowledgeable. I know teachers that have been teaching much longer than me that have a wealth of knowledge that when I speak to them one on one, I'm like, this person, God, they know so much, but they haven't done a workshop. And they're like, I just don't know if I'm ready to do that. And yeah. I feel like there's something about people not being ready. I think confidence is part facing the fear and getting it wrong mm. and failing. Mm -hmm. That's part of the confidence to go, I have that now in the bank. What went wrong? Look at it objectively in the face and go, you know what you did? You didn't do this, you know? And I remember the first time forgetting an entire side in a class. <laughs> and it was the first time, Adam, you're like this because you were kind of the, the genus of this story is that I know you don't like to demo. Not that you don't like to demo, but you I you just, I, yeah, I, I want to see people. I think it's what yes. I can do with my body is irrelevant to the student yeah, experience. Exactly. You're there to teach, yeah. right? You should be watching their bodies to go, they're not quite doing that right. Let me go help them. So I decided that class, I was like, I need to push myself a little bit more. Let's get off your mat. Let's have a little walk. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Walked right to the end of the room. I was helping and cracked a few jokes. I got to the back of the room and I was like, no idea. No idea where we are in the sequence mm. now. And now, and then I had like a little meltdown and those are important to have. So you can go, okay, this is important. How do I now recover? Mm. Do you A, pretend like everything's fine, even though you can see some people are putting their heads up confused about what's <laughs> going on? 
or do you own it and go, right, I need some help. What side are we on? Mm. Have we done this already? Mm. You know, it, you, you go through these different scenarios and I think the more scenarios you put yourself into, the more confident you get because you go like, oh, I know what to do when that happens. And what did you, you do know? in that situation? Go, did you pretend? That I pretended. <laughs> I pretended. <laughs> it went awful. It was quiet. I felt it's it's hard. You feel the room tangibly. Yeah. You're losing them out of your hand. Yeah. So I then also learned something very important at the end of that class is that you can have a few tricks up your sleeve to get them back. Yes. So I, you know, you can have a little trick. You have that joke in the back pocket that you can go like, bring them back. Once I kind of gathered myself again, I know that there's a few drills that are pretty specific to me in terms of yoga world, at least that people tend to enjoy. I knew that. Mm. So I knew, I thought, let's get to that earlier so I can teach them that. And maybe they'll remember the fact that they learned this thing, you know, but again, this is the problem with ego getting in the way. I, for me, it was important that I looked good because one of my biggest fears is that I look silly in front of a group. Mm. Apparently, in in a class or in any kind of situation, film, whatever, people remember the beginning, the end, the mm. high point, and the low point. Mm. And if you can make sure the, three of them are good, and they'll kind of yeah. forget the low point. If you can yeah. make the beginning and the end decent, that's all you need. In terms of just like tips for that, tips for kind of bringing the room back. One I often use. They've got a few standard. Are you going to tell a dad joke now? Yeah, but one, on. one of them is <laughs> like, here we go. Like I would. I will <laughs> pretend that I've, I, I forgot on purpose. I'm like, guys, that was a trust exercise. I need to know that we're working together on this. He loves this one. That's one. And I kind of <laughs> elaborate on that. The other one <laughs> is just focus on your most experienced student that has come to your class a lot and uh-huh. just go right yeah, so other side, them. other side and see what they do. Yeah. Or if you get yeah. lost, like you're just not in the right headspace, when you're teaching, fix that person. Like fix completely on that person and imagine you're in their body oh, that's good. during yeah. the class. But there's also, there's something to be said about making mistakes as well. Like we shouldn't have to aim to be perfect all the time. I used to get so, I used to think for a whole day about getting something wrong on one side and it would like really get to me. I think they've had a shit class, like I'm a rubbish teacher. Mm. But now I know that my students like that I get my lefts and rights mixed up because it gives them permission to mess up as well. It makes me yeah. a real person and actually mistakes it, it, it are perfect. To themselves. You. you can connect with someone more when you realise they're not just they're not some perfect. namaste, yeah. mala bean wearing, calm, perfection, <laughs> All the time. who just seems to be parroting their teacher. And there's yeah. a lot of that like in the yoga world, just people who just seem to be replicas of each other. And it's boring. Saying the same thing in the same way. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing, like we are all such interesting combinations of our background and mm. our DNA mm. and our experiences. And then if we get rid of all of that the minute we walk in mm-hmm. and stand at the front of the room, mm. what a waste of all those incredible Stories. moments in our lives, you oh, know, including yeah. like the making of us. We get in there, we want to bring some of that to it. What's it's your lovely. yoga career looking like now? Like what you do, how, how is it manifesting? So this lockdown has been, it's so funny, echoing what you said, it's been the impetus, the kick up the ass that mm. I've been waiting for mm. for ages. I know I should have been focused because I want more. I, I want more passive revenue, mm. you know, in general. Same as you. I don't want to be in London all the time. I want to be able to move somewhere, and I want a system that will allow that, which also fulfills me. And this is finding that place. So, the trajectory now is looking like more online classes. I was doing a lot more workshops and uh, teacher trainings, which I was enjoying. Um, and I, I, I just want to kind of learn a bit more. But for now, 
it's doing a lot of online classes, uh, setting the procedures up like uh, a donor box is just something I've done. Mm. And what, I want to touch what, on that. Uh, donor box. Donor box. Yeah. What's that? So for the classes online, the Instagram free ones, I just uh, shoot people across to the link in my bio if they want to donate for the class. So mm. is, that, so, is that like Patreon in a way? Uh, yeah, it, it is like Patreon. I just found it a little bit easier to do. Yeah. And it's it comes up with like, you can put in different suggested amounts of what oh, okay. they thought the class was like. Mm. So this is a good thing for me to have. Like, even if I go back to stunts, if yeah. then I have a week free, mm. I, I don't want to have to rely on working in a studio. I don't yeah. particularly like the commute. I don't like the grind. So if I can carry this on, the demand obviously will change. But I think it's given me a great impetus to connect with a lot more people, have an offering every day, which is morning we do a little, uh, like a 15-minute yoga, wake up the body, and then into a meditation. Mm. And I've loved this, like to just get that one message back going, that's really helped me because I've been having a hard time. You're like, now we're talking. Yeah. And I think that's important. So the career is very much looking that way. Uh, I'd sold out my two retreats this year, which I was so excited about. Yeah. Oh, when were they? That was a sh- Almost April, uh, isn't it? One's in two weeks time. Yeah. Uh, and so- the other one's in June. Mm. Interesting enough, the one in June, I got a message from Emirates saying that flight's canceled. Mm. The one for Sri Lanka, but that that flight's fine. Still going. Which concerns no. me. <laughs> yeah. So you still, like, are you still doing the retreat? No, I, I don't think in good faith I can. Look, I'll mm. keep deferring it a month each time because things are changing all no, the time. No. The, the April one? That's not happening. No, what I'm saying is I'll defer that a month. Mm. Okay. But only a month because yeah, to allow things mm. to happen. I think mm. they're pretty cool about it. Um, yeah. Which is such a shame. So it's just about... But again, it's how you come out of these situations. You know, what what... Everyone's in this, do you stay at home and just go, well, that's it. I'm yeah. not going to do anything. Yeah. Or do you go, all right, what do we do out of this situation? Someone you know, said so. something lovely yesterday um, along the lines of who do you want to be the other side of this? What kind of yeah. person do you want to be? And I thought that was so powerful because, yeah, you mm. can either sit on your ass and watch Netflix on repeat or you can actually think, right, now's my time to shine. How can I serve the world? How can I make sure. a difference? And, and I think what I've been loving with this is the small movements you make every day. This mm. is what I've found with goals is we tend to look at the goal that is so high up on the mountain instead of just going, okay, I just need to, if I can just get here today, mm. let's call that a win. One good I step. That's it. Mm. And smaller than you think, like, you know, I'm a big fan of Jordan Peterson, which I know can be a controversial figure, but it's misunderstood, misunderstood and misquoted often, isn't it? I think so. But it's very hard because people have their backup about him straight away. So it's hard to, to ever get into that. You know, I often say to them when they say, he's this or that, I say, if you can find me a moment where that's happened, feel free to share it with me. Because mm. I've, I've consumed probably more videos, podcasts and lectures of his than, than most people. So I'll know, when they say something, I'll almost know which anecdote they're referring mm. to. But his whole thing is just set the bar low to start with. Make your bed. That's a great starting point. Mm-hmm. Do something that's achievable. If you're not hitting your goal, bring it down until you are achieving something and then decide how you'd like to go a little bit further. Mm-hmm. I think too often, it's the same with yoga. Often people, my favorite thing with yoga is people say, I would like to come to yoga, but I just want to be more flexible when I come. Yeah. <laughs> and I have to say to them every time, would you ever not shower because you were too dirty? <laughs> like, uh, that's a good one. 
Um, so, you know, it, it's such the wrong way to think about it. Yeah. We think that we have to show up being something to deserve to be there. And the whole yeah. point is, no, that's not the point. Just show up. Exactly. That's it. That's the important part. Show up. Love that. The rest can happen. Mm-hmm. Can I ask a little bit more about when you were teaching in studios? Yeah. And how, like, how much were you teaching? And was there a turning point where you thought, you know what, this this isn't the life. This isn't what uh, I want. Yeah. So I was teaching probably a week. Uh, I, you know, I, I would be a sucker for cover. Like, so my own classes, I think there'll probably be about six six classes a week maybe that were mine yeah you know and then cover i would try to take as much as possible the most i got to in a week was probably about 14 uh and for me that 14 i was like this is not it Mm. but for the simple reason for me and i know you know this i think will differ per teacher for me, I liked the, the time and effort it takes for me to put into a class. Mm. I felt it was there was diminishing returns for every class I was doing after about two classes um, <laughs> a day. Yeah. You know, it, you know, I just was not giving my all in there. It wasn't very fresh. It wasn't enjoyable. I normally can tell if it was a good class or not yeah. by by the reaction. I don't know. You can feel it mm-hmm. for for the most part. Mm. You know, not not always per individual because some people's faces will uh, defy them they look like they're hating it but they're the ones that come to you after they oh, go that was great yeah. on, on a side note i think it can it can be very hard to tell if it was a good class and i think the only way yeah. really to tell if what you're doing people are resonating with is if people come back over a long period yeah I think that's the only real way i think in in the moment it can yeah. be very hard because you say people's faces who is that you know it's so many reasons it's hard to tell in that moment and how you feel i think often like holly holly often says that when she feels she's taught the worst class actually people seem to actually really enjoy it because it's about the individual isn't it it's again it's taking yourself out of it you might have thought you've done a rubbish class but they might have been in a space where they've so needed that one word that you said or that one sentence you said has really struck a chord with them and it's changed their whole day but however if you're not enjoying it Mm, then that that's can... just soul destroying anyway and you need to look <laughs> yeah. after yourself so yeah. if you're going into class yeah. and thinking yeah totally I hate all of you <laughs> <laughs> and I, 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 I sometimes on some of my longest days sometimes I get a little bit like that you, and bit. you take it out on the class I think you make it like extra hard Whereas, like yeah, low boat high it, boat low boat high yeah, boat low the, boat the, high the boat the, high, the whole class the class will get harder or <laughs> I'll be like oh my god why is no one listening I so explicitly said turn the inner crease of your elbow in that way <laughs> oh, great on me but sorry we kind of interrupted there so no, you were saying that I, so it was about that point I was you know I realised I was commuting a lot again and this is the big difference for me is that you know, I'm out in Surbiton, near Kingston. Oh, that's, I'm, so, I'm in Isha. Well, I was in Isha. My parents are next door oh, to you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Isha's mm-hmm. right around the corner. Yeah. So, so making that trip in, you know, two or three times a day because the classes are spread out, the commute started to get to me too. And I was just, mm-hmm. again, I was like, this is not, I don't feel like this is, uh, this is quite tiring. And it's not, it's not what I thought it was. Mm-hmm. I want to, I don't know. I think there's, again, for me, there's, I can find a, a better streamlined way to, to do this for me. Because um, I like I like the events. I like workshops where, you know, when I go to, when I go to Dublin and I'm there for the weekend and it's, it's, it's chilled. You mm-hmm. walk down to the studio, you're there in the morning and in the afternoon. 
you know you're you're spending a long time with people teaching people something and and that to me was it felt better mm-hmm. is it, the longest short of it you know and i was excited to do it because i was like here's a thing and i want to teach you this thing you know i think with the classes for me i, I had a hard time for a long time and even now i guess when i do a public class to to understand what people want in london from their class mm-hmm. yeah what is it they want do they want to work out do they want somewhere as a space to relax and get away from everything do they want somewhere that is going to do loads of abs you know do they want to learn inversion and it's i couldn't always understand what they what they wanted you know and it's so in, in teaching in a big city you know it's so transient and it's it's, mm. it's, it's I think- people coming and going all the time there's so much on offer people are just doing intro offers and hopping around studios mm. and it's I, I was ch- we were chatting to Adam Hoke about this the other day and when you're teaching a class where people aren't coming for you but are coming just because there's a class on mm. that can be mm. a little bit hard over time if, if it feels like no one is actually caring about you as a teacher it's just mm. they're just coming to do a class and you just happen to be the person in front of them that can be it can be draining Maybe yeah I, the funny thing is now with this setup, doing Instagram TV stuff and Zoom, I actually feel more of a connection mm. yeah. because I get the same people showing up. Mm-hmm. And they've, cho- and I, they've I, chosen like, you. Yeah, I guess that's that's part of it. And, and I like the fact that now you start to build that repertoire. And like you said, I was, you know, with my classes, I probably didn't do it long enough to, to build that community or whoever, however I was teaching wasn't creating that. But... I liked seeing the same faces because I want a relationship with these people, you know, and I'm, I'm enjoying that part of this at the moment, which is funny that I didn't get it in public classes and it's taken social media. Mm. By the way, this is probably, we finally seen social media and technology were used in the right way. Yeah. Mm. You know, isn't it crazy? Like this is, this is finally, it's, it's happening. time to shine to go. It can make people connect yeah. and it can make people feel closer. And it's like social media in the yoga world, especially. It's suffered so much criticism over the mm. years. Oh, it's not genuine yoga. This is not real yoga. And if you're a yoga and teacher, and all the time I've been saying, it's just one form of marketing. Yeah, it's just one way mm. of connecting, much like a leaflet or a flyer. Yeah, it's just a more efficient way of connecting with people. Uh, and our teachers really do have to get on it. Like they don't really have a yeah. choice if they want to keep going, do they? At the moment, so it's people stepping yeah. outside their comfort zones a lot. I think now. What do you think about this? Mm. I I know one girl who works out of uh, Oxford. She isn't on social media. And she sells out retreats. Uh, and I think there's something to be learned from the fact that I think you either want to be on social media and doing it well, mm-hmm. or you don't want to be on there at all because mm-hmm. people will use it as a metric. And if you don't, if you're not doing it well and it's, and you're not pretty much on there, it may give a skewed vision of what you're like as a teacher, which mm-hmm. is totally unfair, but it's better that you're not on there maybe. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Uh, so my view on that would be, I don't know this lady, but I imagine that she's teaching in a studio and she's been the lead teacher in that studio in Oxford for a while. Mm-hmm. I imagine in somewhere like Oxford, you have very loyal clients compared to let's say London where it's just constantly changing especially if you're mm. teaching in the city, if you're teaching somewhere smaller. Uh, let's say an, kind of an, an equivalent example is maybe uh, a teacher called Katarina Rayburn, who's opened an amazing mm. studio in a kind of a corner mm. of London. And because it's probably the only studio in the area, people love it and it's their community. 
And so I'm sure that even if Katerina wasn't decent on social media, all of her mm. retreats would sell out with all of her people. Mm. Uh, so location plays, plays so, a big so part. So I, I think, yeah, loyalty of students mm. plays a big part. And, yeah, mm. and I know teachers as well who aren't on social media but have taught in the same studio forever. And their mm. retreats will in a flash sell out. Mm. I think, as you say, if you have bad social media, the question, I guess, is it, is is that actually worse than having no social media? Mm. I think... Is that bad press? Not, is, yeah, not necessarily. Like I know teachers that use social media in a way that almost seems irrelevant to yoga. Like sometimes it's a bit yoga-y with a bad yoga photo. <laughs> Other times it's like weird cat photos. Which is, it's almost just like a completely personal form of social media. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yet they're doing still very, very good things. Uh, because I guess they're not assholes. So I think if you if you have social media and you're clearly an asshole who aren't living in any way a yoga lifestyle or in any way reflecting mm. what you're teaching, that's bad. But I think if it's just that your content's not amazing and not good photos, it's still there. It's still it's still there. It's still a presence, and it's still it? a presence and mm. still a, a, a way for people to connect with you mm. in some sense. And you'll see as well a lot of people who have massive social media who can't even fill a class mm. because, yeah. because you know, all, all of the photos that they're sharing aren't the kind of stuff that people say, you know what, I really want my yoga teacher to look good in a bikini. That's my main focus <laughs> is how good they look in swimwear. Well, I, I got into the biggest trouble. Did you wear a bikini? Mm. <laughs> yeah. Is that I what it was? That would probably go down better. <laughs> um, I'm, wearing, I'm wearing one now. I <laughs> <laughs> oh, look great. <laughs> but I, I said the same to someone and um, her reaction was how dare you tell me what I can and cannot wear and I said no that's, that's not what you're saying anyway yeah I'm, I'm saying you will decide who you attract yeah yeah and if you if you go fishing with chum sharks will arrive <laughs> you know that's that's how mm-hmm. it works and mm-hmm. it, that's that's not your not totally your fault because people exist like that but also this is what you're you're asking. If someone I want to do a retreat with, and same thing, she had a big social media, and we, I quickly found out that the majority of comments were about her feet. And I was her like, feet. She's yeah, she's hit a she's hit a niche for sure, but it's not the niche that are going to get people to come to her retreat. <laughs> no, yeah. and, and that you know. and that is a point. Is I think your social media should be an extension of your teaching. It hmm. should like for me, let's say. Everything I, t- I say in class is either educational, a, sh- a bit of a shit dad joke, or sarcastic, uh, or, or slightly philosophical. It's one of those four things. And everything on my social media completely reflects that. But Adam uh, does actually have an account, especially for, or you featured on a foot account. Oh, yeah, no, I, I featured, I, I think I was like, <laughs> yes, Adam's feet are out there. Actually, just behind Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> there was a countdown. Yeah. And I think he was Best like 17 and I was 18. <laughs> Oh. Why? Why were your feet? I mean, what are we saying? Doug's about getting his feet out now. Let's know, all get our feet we... out. What's What's the criteria what here? I actually, the thing is, I've got two baby toes on one foot. What? So I don't know if that's a good. Yeah. Show us. I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. I don't think it's. You can see one, it. two, three, four. I'm only seeing four no, toes. No, no, no. But no, no. So there's I've got, I've got four toes. toes, but two of them are baby, baby toes. Oh wow. Oh. Damn. So, Does that impact on your yoga at all, or what you do? Uh, <laughs> your balance. No. The thing is, the the end one is there. So that's fine. You yeah. have your edge. You the big toe. The big toe is more important. Yeah, yeah like that's that so guy. So funny. That guy works. <laughs> He's there, fully that fledged. Working big toe. <laughs> let's um, let's turn turn slightly. Mm. 
about like away how, from my feet. Yeah, turn away yeah, from the feet. Move away, so, move like, away. How have you like dealt with the stresses of like adapting to new industry? Because you in in the last few years you've been umming and ahhing. To, not, I mean, I'm, I'm doing it disservice there, but you've been making decisions mm. about direction of travel. You've started yoga, but then you've just changed direction in that. Mm. Like, how are you? How are you dealing with the stresses in that? And how much work are you putting in to make all these things happen? Uh, in terms of putting work in, you know, again, because I'm more well versed at working from home. One thing I realized when I had time off from stunts is I didn't like the days I didn't do anything. Mm. I didn't enjoy that. When I went to bed, I didn't feel good. So I find it quite enjoyable to get stuff done, have a to-do list. Sometimes it's hard to know which way to direct it, which is kind of what you're inferring there. And that's totally a thing. So the way I deal with it is to try something, do something, see if it works. And then also have this accountability where you go, okay, is it not working a because I'm not trying hard enough mm-hmm. and not putting enough effort in? Is it not working B because I'm not particularly proficient at that thing or C is it just not the right thing? Mm-hmm. And that's why I change so often. But for me, it's more like refining my offering and changing what it is, what's going to work best for me. And what is it that I actually want? Mm, that's you know, important, is, isn't it? What, what, what you is, want. what is, yeah. What is, what does the ideal scenario look like? Mm-hmm for me and that's that's what's been changing for me what is and, it for um, you now what is success for you beyond financial beyond financial i want to i definitely want to be teaching i want to be teaching something or i want to be helping people achieve something i want also the free time to train myself at least an hour a day that i find is is very important for mm-hmm. me and have some capacity to have uh, online, not online necessarily, but some sort of learning. So mm-hmm. if I'm studying something, if I'm training, if I'm teaching, uh, and you know, as a little Brucey bonus, if I'm somewhere near the beach, mm-hmm. these things would be good. Because for me, surfing, I've realized I have dreams, recurrent dreams, maybe three or four times a month where I am on a beach and I'm trying to surf and I can't get to the waves. Mm-hmm. Either there's no board or the water keeps receding. Oh. And I, I always think that that is an analogy of what I'm trying to do. I, that's my goal would be to be able to get somewhere like that and be able to, do, to make it. Do you know Richie Norton at all? I do. Strength symbol. He seems to have that, that bit yeah. of a nice combo like that. If he lives near the beach, stuff, yes. does stuff in the city as well. Mm, that's a lovely so dream. Probably not too far from that. Where is he? Yeah, is he in would... Wales? I think he's in yeah. Wales. Yeah. That's yeah. a nice. That's that's uh, what's his Instagram, which is Strength Temple or something. The Strength Temple. Or maybe yeah. he's changed it. He might have changed mm-hmm. it recently. Yeah, I think he has. I think he's Richie Norton, just Richie Norton now. Which kind of makes sense. <laughs> when you're yeah. building a brand around yourself, it kind of. Oh, the, the other people have done it well, like the body coach. What's his name? Yeah. Oh, Joe. I, don't even know his I just name. did his hit workout this Joe morning. Wicks. Joe Wicks. He's brilliant. He's from. Uh, he's from Surbiton. Yes, so, Team Surbiton. Yeah, right. so, big up, Serby. Yeah. Is there any? Um, we're going to that kind of quicker fire questions now. Yeah, let's do it. I want uh, a a good piece of advice that you have been given or would give to people new to this, let's say, the wellness industry, and a bad piece of advice you've been given. Hmm. Good question. Good piece of advice get out there as soon as you can. Mm. So for my teacher training, two types of people. One type that weren't ready, but taught anyway and learned like that. And the other type that wanted to be ready. So they kept studying, but they never actually ended up teaching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if, you, if you're going to do it, go do it, do it straight away, you know? Just do it. Uh, 
I'm trying to think of bad piece of it's hard because I tend to forget the bad advice uh, if I can. Mm. I guess I guess trying to trying to teach as much as possible. And for me, that wasn't great advice because it came at a cost. Mm-hmm. So knowing that level between teaching as much as I guess that's correct in the stricter sense of the sentence, as much as possible, but mm-hmm. know what yeah. your possible is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's teach, good. teach as well, uh, teach as much as you can, well. Mm. possible mm-hmm. I don't teach well as much as possible yeah that makes sense and it's, it's, you know? that, that's the interesting balance isn't it because like let's say practicing the piano as an example it's do you only practice for as long as you are enthusiastic about it or do you mm-hmm. just keep pushing and practicing because I would say a lot of pianists wouldn't necessarily enjoy all of their practice mm. and yeah. it's, it's that interesting balance and, and that interesting balance between when you're teaching of course you're practicing teaching yeah. So, but other people are participating in that practice and so that's that's a really, that's, good, that's a really hard balance because for you to practice teaching really you good. need to mm-hmm. teach people mm-hmm. however yeah. you have to work out where should i only teach them when i'm doing my utter best job at teaching yeah or do do good. i acknowledge the fact that i need to grow as a teacher and it's, it's, there's no well, right answer to that i think that's such a good point you're so right because i think the approach i take to other things that i practice I, I make time to practice those skills and I tend to just go through it and just keep, keep doing it, keep doing because repetition is good. I wonder, is, is there a way where you take the participants out of it so that they don't have to suffer <laughs> and you practice yeah. more than on your own where you're practicing either in a visualization context or at home with no one actually there or on videos where you get to do it over and over again without someone actually having to see the end product. I don't know. These, I'm just... Mm. It's hard. It's hard. Ideas. But you're totally right. But the thing is, now, to counter the argument with the pianist, gymnastics will say, perfect practice makes perfect, not just practice makes perfect. Mm. So gymnasts will make this point that you make two piles. Every time you're learning a new move, every time you land it well, you put it into this pile. Every time you land it badly with bad form, you put it into this pile. If you land it with bad technique enough times what tends to happen is under high pressure you need to grab from one of those piles so you're doing your you're doing if you're around or flick flick double back and you'll take it from the, the point pile. that's closest to you and you'll take it from the biggest pile mm. which tends to be the bad technique mm. one but i guess so that when anal- it comes to technique that analogy is at the point where i guess people are competent enough to do those skills full stop mm. uh there's a whole years of practice for them to even be able to do those skills remotely or learn the pieces. So maybe comparing that to a new teacher, just getting the skills of actually teaching to let's say if I teach a workshop, if I do five bad workshops and do one good one, then chances are I'm more likely than not continue doing bad workshops because I've trained my, whereas I think it's slightly different when you're just learning the skill of teaching initially. But yeah. let's, let's... These questions are becoming yeah. long-fire questions, the, aren't they? Okay, so Holly, Holly <laughs> Shortfire. Holly Shortfire. I'm going to ask a lighter one. So I read that you were in the, the Avengers movie. So if you were going to be any superhero, who would it be? <laughs> would I be? Surely you've been asked this before. <laughs> you know what? I haven't actually, which yes. is interesting. I mean, in Avengers, I got to, got to play Iron Man, which oh, is very cool. that's a good one. That was very, very cool. Mm. But... Is he the best one? I guess he can fly. Maybe he is the best one because he also has his personal life to the side. Boom. You know, 
I, I heard an interesting thing that Batman was a very interesting superhero because every other superhero wears a disguise. No, Superman was an interesting superhero because every other uh, superhero wears a disguise when they are the superhero mm. and they are themselves during normal life. Whereas Superman, his disguise is Clark Kent. Mm. His disguise is, is that person. So, you know what? Before we get too far, I think Iron Man is a great Go for Iron Man. He's, su- he, he's super rich. He's, he's got all the gadgets. Cool. And he gets to hang out with actual superheroes. So. Amazing. Right, one for me then. Uh, anything, I like. I really like this question. Holly's less of a fan. Well, it's, it helps other people, I suppose, yeah. doesn't it? So is there something. anything you've bought recently? Well, two questions. Things that you, One thing that you've bought recently that's just been really useful in some way for your training or your career or something, mm-hmm. under £100. And then what's been the biggest investment for you ever? Like the best investment you've made towards your career? Big, as big as you want. Best investment I made was my laptop, mm. for sure. And I, I put a lot into it because I knew I was going to do a lot of videoing editing, which is something I enjoy doing, uh, both whether it's like holiday videos or like fun little uh, special effects kind of stuff. And what have you Best got? What, what have you got? I've got a brand new, not brand new, but a year old Mac with like all the trimmings nice. now that's now i've come to learn now that in terms of editing that's not the way that's not the best thing to do but you can get other ones where you can change the hardware but that's been great for that um something that's helped me under 100 pounds just these resistance bands i didn't realize mm. how great a resistance band training is <laughs> at home like you can just do so much with it and it's helped me like be imaginative to do more training at home using some sort of resistance because that's kind of what i miss at the moment you can do a lot of home workouts with body weight stuff, but like I'm used to doing CrossFit a couple of times yeah. a week. And I, I, it gives you something different. Yeah. And I like yoga too, but I like to hit those different parts of us. You know, we've all got different elements in us and that gives mm. only that like animalistic feel. That's actually really helpful because I was literally saying to Adam this morning that I missed um, doing, because I just got into weights before all of this and I felt myself getting yeah. stronger, but obviously I don't really want to um, bring in, you know, eight, 10 pound uh, kilogram weights or whatever. So actually that's a, that's mm. a good alternative. Well, was a, is, there a particular, is there a particular brand that you'd recommend? Mm. Uh, I, you know what, I'll send it to you afterwards. I didn't even pay attention. I just went to Amazon and looked like mm. it was a, it's actually a selection of different ones. Mm. Oh no, send, um, send us so a little have different. Definitely make sure you link it into your door when you do pull-ups, I mean, pull-downs properly because I didn't. <laughs> it slapped me across the stomach. Ouch. I've never had pain like that in my life. Oh, no. It's like a giant elastic band. Twang. Yeah, just <laughs> Should we do one more? One, you got one? Uh, yeah, okay. So have you got like an inspirational talk or a book that you've read recently that might help the mm-hmm. listeners to get through this time? Uh, for sure. Jordan Peterson, 12 Rules for Life. Perfect. Uh, Antidote to Chaos. Great. Just such a good book. Lots of great stuff in there. We've, got, we've actually got that on the shelf. I, I feel like actually, every time uh, someone says a book, you're like, oh, got that on the shelf. Just uh, yeah. over there. But we need to, yeah, <laughs> we need Solid to. book. Okay, great. And you listen to his lectures as well. I listen to his lectures quite a lot. He's a very interesting guy. And the other one I would say is, if you're into listening, Navel Ravikant, his podcast is called Navel, N-A-V-A-L. Mm-hmm. And he is just, he's an angel investor who has turned into a multi? Well, he turned himself into a multi-millionaire, and he just gives great advice for and life. They're very short, aren't they? Are these the ones that are like five minutes long? Exactly. Mm, oh, great! But you can actually get the podcast that's all of them back to back, so it's a, a three-hour podcast, oh, wow. okay. and they just roll into each other. We'll put this all on we'll the notes. We'll put all that in the notes. Mm. Doug, it's been a pleasure. It has. Hey guys, really nice chatting to you. This is such a nice way to spend a day. Yeah. Um, 
Thanks and, for and what, hang, on, hang on, what do we need to link people to? Oh, yeah. yeah. So Instagram, oh, website. Instagram, website, it's all under the same banner at the Down with Doug or the downwithdoug.co.uk or .com. Um, and we've got online courses there as well as videos on Instagram every week, uh, Tuesday to Saturday. Great. So, Awesome. Thank you so much. Cheers. It's a pleasure, guys. Have a great rest of your day. Bye, guys. Honestly, I'm balanced.